Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, today that we can open your Word, Lord, and see your truths, God. We thank you today that as we look at our message, Lord, we understand one thing, that you are with us in all things. Lord, we give you the praise for that, in your precious name, amen. In 1983, there was a commercial flight uh, near the city of Winnipeg in Canada, and they were experiencing difficulty. They were at 40,000 feet altitude, and all of a sudden, the fuel pump began to have problems. Uh, the left engine failed, and immediately Captain Pearson notified the Winnipeg airport that they needed to make an emergency landing. As he was talking to them, the right engine failed, and they couldn't get him restarted. So here they are at 40,000 feet with no engines and effectively a giant 767 metal glider trying to make it to Winnipeg. The co-pilot did some calculations and he figured there's no way we're going to make it to Winnipeg. We got to put this plane down. We're losing 2,500 feet of altitude per minute. We're in trouble. He said, you know, I, I remember that there was a, a small airfield just north of here. I used to train with the Royal Canadian Air Force and I remember that there was, and I don't even know if it's still in existence, but I know that there was one there. And Captain Pearson, he said, I'm not familiar with that airfield, but I'm going to have to trust you. I'm going to trust you that it's there. And they turned the plane north. And as they turned the plane north, just minutes later, they saw the airfield. Now was, a, was used for drag racing and muscle car racing. It was no longer even an airfield. And they begin to descend. And he puts the plane down on this airfield. And as the underbelly of the plane hit the asphalt, sparks begin to fly all over. The plane hurled down the runway out of control for thousands of feet and finally came to a landing. All 69 people on board walked off of that flight. All of them survived. You know, Captain Pearson was definitely in a, a life and death situation where he needed to trust his co-pilot. In our story today, we look at a man that is in also a life and death situation and needed to trust his co-pilot as well. In Acts chapter 12, we read the story of Peter. It says in verse 1, Now about the time of Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex or to persecute certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because it, he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when they had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarter neons of soldiers or four soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter, about this time of year, to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. One translation said that the church 
earnestly prayed for him. Now, this particular Herod was Herod was not Herod Antipas, who was at the trial of Jesus, the one who killed John the Baptist. We're looking at Herod Agrippa I. He was his nephew. He was the nephew of Herod Antipas. His grandfather was King Herod the Great. If you remember back uh, at the time of Christ's birth, he was the one that ordered all of the children murdered because he wanted to murder Jesus. So this is a pretty wicked family. In fact, if you were in their family tree and you went to Ancestry.com, you would be very disappointed by what you saw there. These are wicked, wicked people. So he goes ahead and he kills James, John's brother. And he says, you know, I'm going to do the same thing to Peter. So he imprisons Peter with the intent of killing him after Easter. And in verse 5, it says, the church earnestly prayed for him. In your life, have you ever had somebody that earnestly prayed for you? What a feeling that is to know that someone's praying for you. I've been blessed in my life to have people who I know, they'll tell me, when you're going through a difficult time, I've been praying for you. Man, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel like there's hope. It makes you feel like you're going to be able to get through whatever you're going through. And I want to talk for a few minutes about prayer because this is a key element of our story today. It's the fact that the church was praying for him. In James chapter 5, it talks about prayer and the effects of prayer. In verse 16 of James 5, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. When the righteous pray, God listens. And when more of the righteous pray, God listens. God listens when you're a righteous person and you pray to him. He wants to know what's going on in your life. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, And ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. It doesn't say with half of your heart or part of your heart. God says, I want you to search for me with all your heart. So many times people in life, they search for God half-heartedly. They don't search for God <clears throat> with all of their heart. But when we search with all of our heart, God listens. You know, I like to acquaint that to working out. You know, so many times you see people and they, they start working out and then after a week or two goes by, they or maybe not working out as much as they had been. And then another week goes by, and all of a sudden they're not doing anything, right? And they get no results. Because you've got to be dedicated to what you're doing. And God says, you've got to be dedicated to me and intently look for me to get the results in order to know that God is working in your life, in order to experience the fullness of God. You have to be dedicated we know that as Jesus was entering his most difficult time, prayer was a critical element. As he was getting ready to be arrested and go to the cross in Luke 22, it talks about Jesus prayed. It said, in being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus prayed with such intensity to the Father and it's an example to us when we're going through those rough times how intensely we should seek God. Sometimes in life we, we pray like it's a chore. 
We pray like it's inconveniencing us. You know, we've all, in here, we've all lost our keys. Everybody, everybody's lost their keys at one time, right? We had an individual a few weeks ago that lost their keys here at City Church. I will not say who it was. I don't want to get in trouble. But somebody lost their keys here at City Church, and I get the call as I was leaving. The individual lost their keys, so I came back to help look for it, and... uh, all kinds of people were looking for the keys. They were looking through trash cans. They were looking through everywhere, and they found the keys. But, you know, you think about that. When you lose your keys, what happens? Nothing else matters. You get the kids. You get the grandkids. You get the dog. You get anybody that's there, any able body, to start looking for the keys, right? You're tearing the, the couch cushions apart. You're dumping the trash. You're running through the yard. You're just, it's crazy because you've got to find your keys, and you intently search for those keys. Nothing else matters. But see, that's the same way that God says, I want you to search for me. I want you to have an intent when you search for me. I want you to do it with all your heart. Because if you seek me out, you'll find me. You'll find me. But all the believers could do at that time was pray for Peter. It's all they could do. You know, when you're in a position in your life when all you can do is pray, when you can't do anything physically to change the situation, you feel helpless sometimes. When you can't just get in there and fix it yourself, you feel helpless. But here's the key to that. When you're in a situation like that in your life and you feel helpless and you feel like I can't do anything, guess what? God can. When I can't fix it, God can. When I can't find a way, God can. So whatever situation we're in and you feel helpless, you're right where God wants you to be. Because you're in a position to where all you can do is to call to him. Instead of try to fix it ourselves. So many times we try to fix things and we end up messing it up. But we understand one thing. And Peter's friends and the church understood this. This was a spiritual battle. This wasn't a physical battle. We have to understand that God exists in the spiritual plane. Now, we know that God has manifested himself in Christ in the physical. God has created the universe in the physical. But God exists as a spiritual being. Peter knew this. He understood this. The church understood this. They understood that they weren't fighting Herod. They understood that they weren't going to go down there with swords blazing and take out the the jailers and take everybody out and rescue Peter. It wasn't how it was supposed to be. Because you'll never win a spiritual fight trying to fight a physical fight. A lot of times we try to do that. A lot of times we're in a spiritual fight and we're trying to fight it like it's a physical fight. But we have to understand, the Bible tells us this, that God exists in a different plane. In Ephesians 6.12, it shows us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Peter wasn't fighting Herod, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's exactly what Peter was fighting. He was fighting against wickedness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Because you see, a second Peter tells us God operates outside of space and time. 
of this physical world. It says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. See, God doesn't operate like we operate. We see the physical, things we can touch, things that are right in front of us. But there's a spiritual world and a spiritual battle that's going on all around us that is outside of that physical realm. Something spiritual was going on behind Peter's problem. It wasn't something that he could see. It wasn't something that he could touch. It wasn't something he could quantify. But there was something going on behind the scenes for Peter. And it was as real as the physical world. The problems you're facing today, there's something going on behind the scenes. As believers, there's something happening spiritually behind those problems. It's nothing you can see. It's nothing you can touch. It's nothing you can find. But it's going on. God is coming to the rescue. There are angels that are working for you behind the scenes of your problems. Have faith in that. Understand that when you're going through those difficult times. That Just say, I know, and this is something I always say, I, always love, I know that everything's going to work out. I know that things are working out. I don't know how. I don't know where. But things are working out because God's at work behind the scenes. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph. His brothers sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. And he's falsely accused and he's thrown in jail as an innocent man. And he's in jail for some time. And uh, there was a lot of time that Joseph thought he might be getting out. But time went on and there was Joseph in jail. But God had a plan for him. God was working things behind the scenes that Joseph didn't even know. And God gave him a gift to interpret dreams. And that was the thing that God used to bring him not only out of jail, but bring him from jail to being second in command of all of Egypt. You see, God had a plan for him. God was working things that Joseph had never seen. And in verse 6 of Acts 12, our story continues. It says, And when Herod would have brought him forth, Peter... The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. So here's Peter. He's not going anywhere, right? He's in a cell. He's got two soldiers that are actually uh, handcuffed with him. He's got other soldiers in the jail that are watching him. Uh, there's really no way out. But Peter wasn't worried. You see, Peter was at peace. Peter slept through the night like a baby. Uh, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if this was his time. But he knew one thing. He knew he was in the place he should be. And he was at peace. You know, a lot of people in life, they go through their entire life and they're never at peace. They live in turmoil. Uh, they live in uncertainty. They live anxious. They live all these things. They're never at peace. And it's so sad to me. I think of those people and they get to the end of their life and do they ever look back and think, I, I could have had peace, but I didn't accept it. You know, peace is something that Christ gives us. And it's a special kind of peace, the Bible says. It passes all understanding. Peter had that peace as he, as he slept there that night. When you're at peace, you can be in the worst place in the world and you're okay. You can be in the worst situation in the world, but when you have peace, 
you're okay with it. Daniel was a prime example of this. Remember Daniel in the lion's den as he was thrown uh, again in, in captivity with the lions for praying to the true and living God. And in Daniel 6.22, it says, My God has sent his angel and has shut the mouth, the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before his innocently was found in me and also before the king, before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. When we know that we're not wrong in the eyes of God, that we've done the things we should have, we can have peace in our life. Peter knew that. Peter knew God was in control. Peter knew he was doing the things he should do. And see, there's a difference there. When, when you get in a bad situation when, and you're doing things you shouldn't do and all of a sudden you find yourself in a bad spot, it's very different than when you're doing things the way that God wants you to do and you find yourself in a bad spot. Because when you're doing things you shouldn't and all of a sudden you're in a bad spot, well, you don't have that peace, do you? You don't have that peace. But when you're doing the things that God has you to do, when you're in his will and you find yourself in a tough spot, you can have the peace that Daniel had. You can have the peace that Joseph had. You can have the peace that Peter had to know that even though I'm in a bad spot here, I'm doing the things that God wants me to do and he's going to make a way. He's going to make a way. When you're at peace, you know one thing, that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you when you're at peace. You know, I, I love to watch those survival shows like Dual Survivor and Bear Grylls and all those guys. And they drop these guys in the middle of nowhere. They're in the middle of the desert. They're in the middle of the jungle. And they have to find their way out. And I think about my own self. I think, well, what if I was in that situation? You drop me in the middle of the Sahara Desert. In that, bright and early in the morning, there I am in the middle of the desert. I know exactly what would happen. I would last till 1 o'clock. You say, how do you know that? Because at 12 o'clock, I have to eat lunch. Because I get really hangry. So at 12 o'clock, I have to eat lunch. And guess what? I'm not eating what they're eating. No way. Not happening. So I'm out of there at 1 o'clock. But you think about those guys. Here they are in the middle of nowhere. What would I rather be? What kind of situation would I rather be in? Would I rather be on my own there? Or would I rather be with somebody who knows what they're doing? Would I rather be with a guide who can lead me out and help me? So many times in life we try to solve our own problems. So many times we try to fight that, that physical fight when it's really a spiritual fight without bringing along someone that can help us. Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'm there with you. I want to be with you. But you got to let me help. you got to let me help. In verse 7 of Acts 12, we see something happens in our story. It says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto them, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true. He, he didn't think this was actually happening, which was done by the angels, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city which opened unto them of his own accord. 
And he went out and passed on through the one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of this surety, that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. See, the power of God came through for Peter. Power of God came through. Here's Peter. He's, he's in this cell and picture it. He's in this dark and dingy jail cell and he's chained between the two soldiers. There's soldiers watching in other parts of the prison. There's a, a giant iron gate that protects the prison. And all of a sudden, Peter sees a light and an angel appears to him. He thinks he's having a vision. But he realizes it's real. And the angel says, hey, get up, Peter. Get up, get dressed. We're getting out of here. And, and the chains literally just fall off of Peter. And, and the guards are just totally blinded. And Peter not only walks out of the cell, he walks through the wards, and then he gets to the giant iron gate of the prison, and what happens? He just opens it up and walks out. Isn't it amazing when God intervenes, what can happen? Isn't it amazing? God intervenes and he can open any door. Sometimes in our lives, there's just a giant iron gate in front of us. We feel like, ah, I'm in a situation where there is no way I'm opening this door. This door is just not opening. And then all of a sudden, something happens and God just opens this giant iron gate. And we can walk right through it. Isn't it amazing how God works? When God intervenes, it doesn't matter what's standing in front of you, you can get through it. Doesn't matter what's in front of you. When God is in it, he can open any door. He can open any iron gate. And the power of God came through. And Peter was able to escape. And he goes back to the church that was praying for him. And of course, they're shocked that Peter's standing at the door. And they celebrate the fact that God has done a miracle and delivered him. You know, three things we want to look at here that... God sends an angel to free Peter. There's three important things to see here. The first one is God sends help to his children. God sends help to his children. Remember the children of Israel and, and what they were in in Egypt. God sent the plagues so the Pharaoh would release them. Remember when David was running from Saul, God sent help for David. Uh, God sent Jesus into the world to free all of humanity. God sends help to his children. If you're in a place where you need help, God is a sender of help. But he says, I want you to ask. You have to ask me for help. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it reads, and one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, ask and it is, and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. Isn't it something that so many times in life we just don't simply ask God for our needs? God's concerned about her. God's concerned about all those things in life. Even the little things that we might think, ah, oh, boy, I really don't want to trouble God with that. God's interested in that. He wants to be in every part of our life. There's nothing too small. There's nothing uh, too insignificant to take to God. He wants us to take those things to him. Because he wants to help us. Ask and it is given. 
The second thing we need to think about and learn from is that God can protect us by blinding the enemy. Much as like Peter just walks out of the jail and none of the jailers even know what's going on. And we've seen this uh, many times throughout scripture. We see it back in 2 Kings chapter 6. A, a similar thing happens with the prophet Elisha. Chapter 6 verse 18 Elisha being surrounded by the enemy, it says, And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Elisha asked God to, to, to smite the enemy with blindness so that I can get out of this situation. He asked and God delivered and he delivered him. You know, at times God protects us by causing those that are trying to harm us not to see the situation clearly. At times God, in a sense, blinds people to certain things to protect us because he wants to protect our, his children. He causes oftentimes people who are looking to harm us to miss things that are in plain sight. I was listening to a, uh, a story about a man who was robbing a bank, and this man robs a bank. He goes over the counter. He gets the money in the drawers. He goes back by the safe, and he realizes that he's running out of time, so he runs out of the bank. And he only got a couple thousand dollars, as, as most bank robbers today do. Only got a couple thousand dollars, but it was interesting. The bank manager said, as the police came and interviewed him, he said, you know, the amazing thing was this man goes back and he's running by the safe. He's looking for stuff. He said, we were in the process of transporting a large sum of money. And we had a tray with $200,000 cash sitting on it back by the safe. He said, you know, that man just ran right by that money. He didn't even see it. And he got out of the bank with a couple thousand dollars. You know, so many times God can blind the ones that are looking to harm us. And they can go right by us. And they can totally miss everything. Because God is looking to protect us. The last thing today, as we see the story of Peter and his miraculous escape, is God can break the chains that imprison us. Those chains of sin that imprison us, God can break. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. As a believer, you and I are free. We're free from the chains of sin. We're free from whatever is going to put us in captivity. Oh, I see people in life as this verse says, they'll, they'll be free and then they'll run right back into the same situation that they were in. They run right back to that addiction. Maybe that person they were with that was so evil to them and what happens is they run right back into that relationship. You're free. God says you're free through Jesus Christ. Once you're out, start running, get away. Get away from it. And people around them say, what are they doing? They're free. They're so much better than that. We have to understand as believers that you and I are free because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. There's nothing else we need to do but to believe on him. And whatever chains, whatever things that bind us, that keep us in prison, he's already beaten. He's beaten through his death and resurrection. 
and know today that you and I are free. And whatever things are in front of us, know that Jesus can overcome them. Know that Jesus can take those chains just like Peter and they can just fall right off. It's not our power. It's not a physical battle. But it's a spiritual battle. And it's a battle that's already been won. There's nothing more powerful than Jesus Christ. There's no chains that he can't break. In Galatians 2.20, it tells us what a great verse this is. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today, those chains, that prison that you might be in, Jesus can break you free because of what he did for you on the cross. Your chains can be gone. He can change your life today. He can break those chains and he can set you free. All you got to do is the same thing that Captain Pearson did in our story today. You have to have faith in your co-pilot. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's a simple thing to come to Christ. It says to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Maybe today you've never asked Jesus to be your savior. Maybe today you've been in prison and you've been in chains all your life. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song and have an invitation. And it's going to invite you, if you've never experienced a relationship with Christ, to just walk forward down this aisle. Maybe somebody can walk with you. And we can show you out of God's word and the truth of Jesus Christ and his love and how he can set you free. We're going to invite you to do that as we stand now. All across this auditorium as we stand with heads bowed and we ask Jesus to move today. Dear only Father God, we thank you God, Lord, for the love you've given us. Lord, we thank you God, Lord, that you can break those chains. Things maybe that we never thought we could overcome. Lord, I've talked to people who had been in chains for decades, chains of addiction. Nothing they ever did could break it. Oh, they tried. They tried everything they could. But it just kept them in bondage. And then one day, God, you came along into their life. One day they heard your gospel. And Lord, those chains fell off. And they became a new person, Lord. And they realized that they were no longer a slave to sin. Lord, if there's anyone here today that says, that's my story, Lord, may they come today as we sing and may they meet the Savior of the world. In your precious name, amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. 
And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.